Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Listen, I'm going to ask a really hard question on today's show today. Really, I'm, I'm not messing with you. It's, it's a difficult question. And, and the question is this. Why beat around the bush, right? Do liberals just care more about politics than we do? Don't necessarily jump to an answer. But I read a fascinating piece about just this. It explains a lot about why we may be in the perilous situation we are in now. That, tons of feedback on yesterday's show. And at the end, I want to show you how the media, again, works with the deep state to advance a political narrative. Today's show's got a lot. Listen, your data... It's your business. Get a VPN today. Don't wait. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Recording a little bit early today um, because I have a medical procedure to do. I know I haven't spoken to you about it much. I'll give you an update later in the week. It's no big deal. You know, I read you in on my life anyway. You all know me better than I know myself. Uh, But let's get right to the show. Today's show brought to you by our friends also at Liquid IV. We push our bodies hard, right? Sometimes you're feeling run down. Well, it is super important to take care of ourselves with the proper vitamins, micronutrients, and nutrients. That's why Liquid IV created Hydration Multiplier Plus Immune Support to maintain and strengthen your immune system. Here it is right here. We have tons of this stuff. Guy uh, is a big fan now, correct? Give us the thumbs up, Guy. My wife's been a huge fan. <laughs> He's wife too. There you Many wives love this stuff. A hydration multiplier plus immune supports a cutting edge blend of vitamin C, zinc, and Wellmune in convenient single serve packets to help strengthen your immune system. Vitamin C is well known to help protect your body and support good health. Zinc, the second most abundant trace mineral in your body, supports immune cell health and function. Wellmune is a naturally sourced beta glucan that uh, is proven to help strengthen your immune system. The blend is powered by cellular transport technology designed to enhance rapid absorption of water and other nutrients. The optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, potassium delivers straight to the bloodstream faster. It's a perfect balance to help strengthen your immune system quickly and efficiently and to hydrate you. Provides two to three times more hydration than water alone. Paula uses this downstairs in our gym where we have no air conditioning. It's Florida and it's 72,000 degrees. Get Liquid IV's Hydration Multiplier Plus Immune Support in bulk at Costco or order online and get 25% off when you go here. LiquidIV.com and use code Bongino at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order for better hydration today. Use promo code Bongino at LiquidIV.com. All right, Joe, let's go. Yeah, babe. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting ready for like a UFC match or stuff. I've all been fired up by these last two shows. This deep state stuff always gets me fired up because I feel like we're on the front lines of fighting back. This show has always been on the front lines of fighting back. A lot of feedback on yesterday's show, a lot, on uh, Rudy Giuliani and what they're doing to target Rudy Giuliani, why they need to get rid of Rudy Giuliani, John Solomon, and Victoria Tunsing. You can watch yesterday's show, obviously, uh, to get the details, and there were a lot of them. It's very rare I do an entire show on one topic uh, since the Spygate thing kind of dissipated in the public eye, which it shouldn't have. But the gist of it was this. Go listen again, because Guy was like, ah, it was a little hard for me to understand. He said, but, you know, you got to understand, I'm producing the show. I can't pay attention as much as the other guy. But here's the thing. Keep in mind, this it's as simple as this. Was our U.S. embassy in Ukraine protecting George Soros and Hunter Biden? 
while targeting George Soros' political opponents. That's the whole show. I give you the details and I make the case, but that's the gist of it. Was our embassy under Obama and later under Trump acting against Trump's interests, protecting Hunter, protecting Soros, and going after Soros' business opponents. That's it. People liked it, but some people missed a few points. That's the whole show. Now you've got the summary first. You can go back and listen. Please, we really appreciate it. All right, I want to have a hard conversation with you today because I've been fascinated by a question many of you have been fascinated by too. How did things get so bad so fast? And I want to keep the term so bad relative. Listen, we still live in the greatest country on earth. I am positive we are reaching a bottom soon. I know there'll be a turnaround. We've defeated far worse, and I'm sure things are going to change. I'm not being uh, Pollyanna-ish or overly optimistic. Oh, I keep them listening by telling them fairy tales. I really believe it. There will be a turning point soon. But there was a turning point in the past that went down. And everybody's asking the same question. How did everything get so bad so fast? How did sports? How did the tech tyrants? How did corporate America? How did they all turn so far left so quickly? A friend of mine, I'm involved with in some business ventures, this past weekend sent me a fascinating substack by a guy, Richard Hanania. Forgive me if I'm saying your name wrong, Richard. Richard Hanania in his substack asks a fascinating question. Why is everything so liberal? It's interesting because when I sent it to Guy before the show, Guy said, you know, he was working hard, we're in a little time crunch today because of the whole travel stuff. But he's like, I got to read this one after the show. I said, please do. It will be in my newsletter today, bongino.com slash newsletter. Please read it. So I started saying I was going to have to ask you a hard question. I was going to have to have a hard conversation with you today because it's not easy to accept the fact and to ask this hard question. And here it is. The liberals just care more about politics than we do. If so, why? And does action matter? I've said it on this show probably 10,000 times. Who knows? Maybe an exaggeration. But I've said repeatedly, the do is what matters. The talk is cheap. Talk matters only if it motivates doing. The do is what matters because do gets stuff done. Talk hopefully motivates the do to get stuff done. But if the talk just leads to more talk and there's no do, nothing gets done. So the do doesn't matter. So we're going to address these three things. Why do liberals care more? And does action really matter? And why does it make a difference? Let's go to the piece again. Here it is. Richard Hanania's newsletter, 2016, The Turning Point, a follow-up to his prior substack, Why Is Everything Liberal? Before I dig into this, I want to, I want to play a cut of the legend. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to frame this right. Forgive me for the pause. I want to play for you a cut of the legend, Thomas Sowell, a legend. Thomas Sowell explaining why liberals use emotion, how really facts are not their friends, and why emotion is so important to the liberal argument. Keep it in mind in the context of the question we're asking. Do liberals care more about politics than we do? And if so, why? As you're listening to Thomas Sowell explain how liberals calculating calculatingly use emotion all the time. Check this out. In your book, Intellectuals and Race, you talk about the, the factor of emotion 
in talking about race. Yeah. How do you get rid of that factor? Or can you get rid of that factor? You can to a great extent as a practical matter. Um, one of the things I, I've noticed is that in many countries around the world, uh, people of different races can get along together, sometimes even live in the, as neighbors for decades or even generations. And yet, when the right demagogue comes along, he can turn them against each other and they can be at each other's throats. And this has happened in India. It's happened in uh, Sri Lanka. It's happened in uh, Nigeria. You can run through the whole list of countries. Uh, so that it's not um, a wholly spontaneous thing. Uh, many years ago, there was an old musical called South Pacific. And one of the less memorable songs was one that said, uh, you've got to be taught to hate. Intellectuals have taught people to hate those who are better off than themselves. Do liberals care more about politics than we do? And if the answer is yes, how did it get so bad so fast? Saul kind of hints at, and we'll get back to that in the third screenshot from this piece today about why emotion is such a powerful motivator and what the left does to garner emotion to get people out there. Let's go to screenshot number one from this piece. It has a little chart embedded in it, and it addresses the question, well, do they care more about us? Well, the data seems to indicate, sadly, yes. Dan, this is a conservative show. Ladies and gentlemen, I know. I know. But we can't only read pieces on the air that, that, that comport with our narratives, or then we'd be leftists. It appears from this chart that they do care more. So from the piece, he shows this researcher's chart for more evidence in his argument that liberals care more about politics. He says, quote, the following charts from 2016, and it shows whether respondents had joined a protest or signed a petition in the last year. Data in this post drawn from here for, for, for 2020 and here for all other years. Folks, if you look at the chart, it's pretty devastating. Now. I get it for all the statisticians, experimental researchers out there, people familiar with statistical analysis. You're probably asking yourself what I am. Well, is going to a protest or signing a petition necessarily a perfect proxy for if you're interested in politics or not? It may not be perfect, but it's a decent indicator, no? If you look at this chart, you'll see, for those of you listening on audio, I'll explain it. For those of you watching on Rumble, you can see the chart. You'll see that both for going to protests and signing a petition, as you get more conservative, you're less likely to have done either. And as you get more liberal, you are way more likely in one case to have signed a petition, upwards of 60% of liberals, only about, uh, what is it, about 26% of conservatives have ever signed the petition. Or, and, and then when you look at the uh, protest data, it's similar. You have upwards of roughly, it looks like at the chart, about 18% of liberals who've attended a protest. And gosh, 2-3% of conservatives? Folks, those are big differences. Now, again, I'm not suggesting that this information is necessarily dispositive or damning. That, oh gosh, conservatives don't care. Why are, you you know, why are you promoting this mythical fairy tale conservatives don't care? That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply suggesting to you that if we're going to ask ourselves serious questions like how did things get so bad so fast where sports, corporate America, Hollywood, 
everyone seemingly at the same time all turned on us and became liberal overnight. One of the reasons they've been doing it is because liberals have focused on the do, the activism part for a very long time. And activism commits people to action, which commits people to further action, which makes them easier to mobilize when you need action. And corporate America and sports subjected to pressure campaigns see that action and interpret it as a mass cultural mandate. It's not good enough to go out and vote. The do matters. I've said it repeatedly on this show in multiple speeches. At anywhere someone will listen to me, I say the do matters. You have to do something. Many of you have. Many of you. You've gone to a Trump rally, a sign wave. You volunteered. You knock on doors. But there are some of us out there, larger numbers of us than liberals, larger numbers of us out there on the conservative uh, side, who, you know, haven't been to a protest, haven't signed a petition, haven't done other things. We are the leaders we've been waiting for. My friend Ginny has told me that repeatedly. No one is coming to save us. No one's coming to save us. It's on us. We. Us. We have the power to save ourselves. Now, there are a lot of explanations. Again, this is not some perfect proxy. And it's not meant, I'm not bringing this up again, to insult our movement. Tens of thousands of people show up at Trump rallies. I get it. I'm not suggesting that you haven't been to a protest or signed a petition. is again, some perfect proxy for your political involvement. But it is interesting that liberals seem to be beating us rather dramatically on those two numbers, the percentage of people who've done that. There are a lot of explanations. Some of them could be conservative actually, conservatives actually have jobs and we're kind of busy doing stuff. That's probably played some role in it. But does that really explain, you know, why upwards of 60% of liberals will sign a petition and conservatives don't? Here's another reason, talking about confounding variables. Maybe not just that we have jobs plays into, we don't have time for protests. But another one may be, being that conservatives are frequently the subject of cancel culture, many of them are probably afraid to put their name on a petition. I get it. I think we all have to take that fight on and get ready for it and start putting our name on those petitions. But I get why people might set that one out. Now, why is everything so liberal? Question number two. Why? Why is it so liberal? And why does it seem at least that liberals seem to care a lot more about politics than we do? What is motivating the liberal to do more than, more than many of us do sometimes? What? Let's go to screenshot number two from this piece. This piece is fascinating. I really need you to read it. It's worth your time. He says, quote, Hananiah, other institutions besides corporations have also gone left. This includes, well, everything. The dictionary, remember the dictionary.com story? Knitting clubs, board games, and literally almost anything you would think to call an institution. So why are corporations woke? It's still not an interesting question, but what has changed in the last decade is my theory that this is uh, Hananiah speaking. My theory that institutions are captured by, listen to this, whatever segments of the population are most mobilized would predict that the mobilization gap between liberals and conservatives has increased over the years. Why is everything so 
woke all of a sudden? And what has changed specifically in the last 10 years? These institutions are responding to the people they see on the streets. Folks, I know it's not in many of our nature. We believe in family. We have jobs. We like to act locally. We don't need to be seen at a rally screaming and yelling all the time. I get it. But maybe we do. I'm sorry that I know this is a difficult conversation. I know it is. I'm, and I'm deeply sorry for bringing it up. If some of you may be offended, I, I know I can sense your response. And I don't blame you. Hey, damn, what else you want me to do? I voted. I showed up at the Trump rally. I get it. God bless you. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the people who listen to my show, who you, I, I love that you listen. You are absolutely always welcome here. But when it comes time to show up to a Trump rally or for, again, Trump first, a rally for any candidate you like, go to a local Republican club or whatever it may be. They're like, hey, listen, I don't, you know, I, I, I can't, I, I'm not ready for that. I, I, need, I need you to get ready. Because these institutions that have in the last 10 years collapsed into a black hole of wokeness are doing so because they're responding to the doers on the street. The people who do, not the people who talk. It's important. The do matters. No one is coming to save us. We have to save ourselves and we have to shrink the mobilization gap. Here's part number three. And now maybe it'll make more sense why I showed Thomas Sowell in the beginning. Because we're trying to figure out why it seems liberals are more interested in getting out in the street and mobilizing than we are. Well, it's because of what Thomas Sowell said. You get a few demagogues out there telling people, these people hate black people. These people hate Asian people. These people hate Jewish people. These people hate women. When you get demagogues who do that, they can flip a switch in a society fast and get everybody to believe, despite the information out there, that racial harmony in the United States has gotten dramatically better over the decades, there are significant swaths of liberals out there who believe the exact opposite, that racial harmony in the United States is getting worse. There's no data to back that up, but Seoul explains it. You get a few demagogues, a few Al Sharptons out there, a few Moscow Rachel Maddows, a few Brian Stelters and others, liberal media gaslighters, and what do they do? They play into the left's identity politics narrative because what is the most disgusting thing in today's society outside of a homicidal maniac, serial killer, or child molester you can be called? A racist. And only in a society that has disavowed racism would the charge of racism be such an effective weapon to gin up emotion in a political movement. Does that make sense? Everybody tracking me here? There's no evidence whatsoever that racial harmony in the United States has gotten more. None. It's gotten dramatically better. So why do so many more people now than even 10 years ago believe the racial situation in the United States is degraded to the point of total chaos when none of it's true? Because the left needs you to think it's true because they're demagogues and we are not a racist society. Therefore, calling other people racist is the ultimate way to pit one side against another. Racists are bad. We all get it. Come with us. We're on the anti-racist team. We're going to fight those racists over there. Which ones? Those ones. I don't see them. Don't worry. We'll get to them later. explains perfectly 
the mobilization gap. Let me get to the third screenshot from this piece. Hananiah's newsletter. It says, the left has always had an advantage in committed activists. Yet no matter whether you look at donations, protests, or signing petitions, the mobilization gap increased in 2016. Liberals had always protested more, but in 2016, the ratio was absolutely massive, being around 3.7 times larger than it was around the time of the invasion of Iraq. This was before an upsurge of liberal protest activity that's included BLM, March for Our Lives, and most importantly, the Women's March. There you go, folks. Explains it right there. When you invoke race, Black Lives Matter, misogyny, March for Our Lives, uh, excuse me, the Women's March, and racism, March for Our Lives, what do you get? You get a bunch of people who think they're out there fighting a bunch of fanatical racists. Weird how they do that, right? Despite racial harmony in the United States growing and getting better dramatically. You want to know why liberals appear more uh, interested in politics than we do? Because they're fighting a systemic threat that doesn't exist. Very important piece. All right, let me get to my second sponsor. On the other side of this, I failed yesterday to get to this topic because the Giuliani topic is so important. But Mitt Romney, Liz Cheney, and the intellectual crowd, you know us, uh, the smellies. We're the smellies, right? The deplorables, the smellies. They're at us again. They're at us again. Combining with their buddy, John Kerry, you know, that's their guy and all. But he's a Democrat. They don't care, Liz Cheney and Mitt Romney. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at We the People Holsters. Last year, over 5 million citizens decided to join the Second Amendment family. I want each and every one of them to pick up the finest holsters out there from our friends at We the People Holsters. This is mine, as you can see right here. Starting at just $40, We the People Holsters are custom molded. Look at that. Look. Custom molded. This is not a one-size-fits-all piece of junk. This is a custom-molded precision holster right here. The finest in the business. Fits your firearm for a quick, smooth draw with security. Nice click when you put the firearm in there. They have thousands of options to choose from, including a line with real tree camouflage and printed holsters. This one actually says we the people on it. While you're there, check out their complete line of patriotic tees, tumblers, and their new EDC tactical gun belt. Comes with a patented Cobra buckle. Every holster and gun belt comes with a lifetime guarantee. If it's not a perfect fit, send it back for a full refund. You won't. You'll love it. So show your support for this show and the great American company known as We The People Holsters by going to wethepeopleholsters.com slash Dan right now. Get an additional $10 off with the offer code Dan. That's wethepeopleholsters.com slash Dan. Wethepeopleholsters.com slash Dan. Go today. All right, back to the show. Hold on. Before we get back to the show, I have to turn the air conditioning. I got a fancy app here for this thing. Because, man, alive. Am I sweating a little bit? Yeah, I noticed that towards the end of the show, I start to, like, sweat a little. I think it's because I go in the sauna a lot. Sauna? What are you in the sauna for? Because I heard high heat kills cancer cells. I don't know how true that is or not. I just heard it. So I give it, what the hell? Got to give it a shot, right? Doesn't kill you. It makes you strong. So are at least Cheney, Romney, and John Kerry, the new intellectuals, you know, are they smarter than us? The smellies, the deplorables, the great unwashed. You know, we're all the stupid people. We actually work for a living. We should take our advice from Liz Cheney, Mitt Romney, and John Kerry because they're clearly smarter than us. I mean, they work in government. <laughs> Come on. 
Of course they know more than us. They're government bureaucrats. Haven't had a lot of dirt under their fingernails lately. I'm not sure if they've worked for a living, but whatever. We should listen to them. So before we get into this, are these the new intellectuals? Are they smarter than us? And should we listen to these buffoons? Here's the great Thomas Sowell. I got a double Thomas Sowell thing. You can never go wrong with Thomas Sowell. Double Thomas Sowell. Here's Thomas Sowell on intellectuals and how the smart people have usually destroyed the deplorables' lives. But don't worry. They're smarter than us. We should forgive them and just listen to them the next time. Check this out. Then-candidate Barack Obama in July 2008, quote, it's like these guys, Republicans, take pride in being ignorant. They should go talk to some experts and actually make a difference. Close quote. <laughs> well, talking to experts does make a difference. Uh, many of the great disasters of our time have been uh, committed by uh, experts. You, you may remember uh, FDR's brain trust. Uh, which, according to later studies, uh, prolonged the depression by several years. Uh, the uh, whiz kids in the Pentagon under McNamara, who managed to mess up the, the Vietnam War. Uh, you can run through an impressive list of things, of disasters brought about by people with very high IQs. I heard a grumble. You like that? <laughs> Again, Thomas Sowell. A living, breathing legend, a human being of actual intellect. You know why? Thomas Sowell knows the limits of his own intellect. But why is what Thomas Sowell says there? Why does that ring true? Why is it that, listen, folks, I, I'm not a fan, obvious, obviously, of Liz Cheney, Mitt Romney, and John Kerry. Uh, it's obvious, right? I, I know, you know, you listen to, you get that. But I don't doubt that they probably have very high IQs. Mitt Romney's probably very intelligent. John Kerry's probably a smart man as well. Book smart. And Liz Cheney, too. I don't doubt that. It doesn't do me any good to lie to you. Nah, they're all stupid. Well, they are in some ways, but they took uh, an aptitude or achievement test. They probably scored pretty high. So why is it that the so-called smart people and the intellectuals, like Sol said, are seemingly always getting us jammed up? That was a police term for when a cop screwed up, getting jammed up. He got jammed up. Why are they always getting America jammed up? Why is it that smart people do stupid things? Because smart people in a quest for power typically get outside of the realm of expertise where they're actually smart and get into areas where they're very stupid. <laughs> you like my bold analysis there? What do I mean by that? John Kerry's smart guy. I don't know what's this IQ. I don't know, 125, 130, who knows? Could be higher. Can John Kerry coach the New York Yankees? No, Dan, don't be stupid. John Kerry's a genius, but he didn't know anything about baseball. You know what's really funny? John Kerry doesn't seem to know much about our military either, even though he served in it. John Kerry doesn't seem to know much about environmental policy either, because as I'll get to in a minute, after some other clips here, when it comes to John Kerry's personal interests, John Kerry doesn't do what John Kerry tells you you should do. But I thought he was smart. Oh, weird. The greatest neurosurgeon in the world who could probably tell you about the decusation of the pyramids in the brain. <laughs> I always love that term. <laughs> Sorry. Back to the, back to the garage school era. 
The best neurosurgeon in the world probably couldn't tell you a damn thing about Keynesian economics versus Chicago school. But he's super smart. He doesn't know anything about economics. Well, Liz Cheney and Mitt Romney and John Kerry don't know a lot of things about a lot of things. But they constantly want you to believe they know a lot of things about a lot of things and make stuff up and do things that make doing things about a lot of things they don't know about really dangerous for you. Here's a perfect example here. Mitt Romney gets up in front of a group at the Utah GOP convention and tries to again explain away why he's such a genius and he has diagnosed all of Donald Trump's character flaws, right? <laughs> Mitt Romney <laughs> talking about character flaws and is so oblivious to his own. And he wonders why the crowd had to producer Joe Armacost for a wonderful cut here, had to clean this up a little bit because there's like, Right, Joe? There's so much booing in this. This clip was actually kind of hard to put in the show. <laughs> this, this is not enhanced. Joe had to just like make it listenable. Mitt Romney decides it's a good idea because he's so smart to tell you how dumb Trump is and smart he is with no self-awareness at all. The crowd in Utah is having none of this BS. Check this out. Now, you know me as a person who... Uh who says what he thinks, and I don't hide the fact that I wasn't a fan of our last president's character issues. And I'm also no fan... <laughs> Aren't you embarrassed? <laughs> now talking to Joe before the show and Romney if you I don't know if you can hear because the booing so loud you know we can't mess with the booing so loud you can almost not hear Romney and I let that play I seriously debated giving you just a 10 second cut because who wants to hear booing for four it's an unpleasant sound or people wouldn't do it right and I'm like nah we're gonna let that play we're gonna let 40 plus seconds of that booing play he says at the end aren't you embarrassed and 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 and, uh, and, and Joe brings up like, are we aren't we embarrassed yeah, we're embarrassed for you, you dope. Embarrassed? But you're up there, Mitt Romney. Granted, probably a very smart guy. And you're, what are you, uh, you're Sigmund Freud? You Carl Jung or something? You're diagnosing Trump's character flaw? That's what he says. If you can hear it, rewind the tape, folks. You can hear it again. You have the rewind button on your podcast or rumble. Just slide it back a second. Listen to what he tries to say. I know uh, his Mitt Mittens with his 175 IQ, whatever it is. He says, I know... Uh, you know, I went after our last president and his character flaws. Mittens, hard pass on your Sigmund Freud, Carl Jung, Carl Jung, Abraham Maslow, hierarchy of needs, whatever, diagnosis of Donald Trump's character flaws. <laughs> Seriously, bro, hard pass. Maybe look in the mirror first and then we'll listen to you and the emanations from your soup cooler. But again, he's one of the intellectuals. I can't speak for soul, but in my humble opinion, probably one of the intellectuals souls talking about. So smart. He knows everything about everything, including the character flaws of a president who actually did conservative stuff. While Mitt Romney was fighting for Romney care, was pro-choice, then pro-life, then pro-choice, then pro-life, then pro-choice, pro-life, choice, choice, life, choice, life, life, choice, life. I forgot where he is now. Talking about character flaws? When it came down to saving babies' lives, you couldn't decide what the right thing to do is. I'm running for governor of Massachusetts. I'm pro-choice. 
I'm running for the Republican nomination. I'm pro-life. And you're talking about Trump's character flaw. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. So here's another one of the intellectuals. Again, probably a smart person who thinks she can manage the Yankees too. No expertise in baseball, I'd guess, whatsoever. Here's Liz Cheney in a story at IJ Review, Savannah Reichick. Liz Cheney accuses Trump of, quote, poisoning our democratic system with election claims. Liz Cheney talking about poisoning our, our, our election uh, system here. Liz is probably entirely unaware that states like Pennsylvania, Arizona, and elsewhere at the last minute changed their election laws, which gave an unfair advantage to people on the other side of the aisle. She's not interested in that at all um, because Liz Cheney's figured out that she's done. Her political career in the Republican Party is over. So my guess is this, and I think I'm right. That Liz Cheney understands she probably won't win another election. She may, she may not. I, I doubt it, but I could be wrong. And that she's probably looking for a job at MSNBC or CNN as the air quotes here, the sane Republican. Remember, we're all the smellies, the deplorables. Liz Cheney and Mitt Romney are the smart ones. We're all really stupid. You know who's really smart too? And definitely a member of the intellectual proletariat. John Kerry with his voice. John Kerry, very smart man. I'm sure, very smart. He probably got like a 1,400 on his SAT. And they pillaged the village remnants of Genghis Khan. Here's a little supercut clip of John Kerry. We've been holding this for a week. Pretty much getting everything on foreign policy wrong that mattered in the last 20 years. But don't worry. He's super smart and he should definitely, because he's such a high intellect and has been so right, right on foreign policy and everything else, he should be running environmental policy for the Biden administration, which he's doing now. Here's here's Kerry getting every single answer wrong. Check this out. Kerry is also concerned about the Middle East, where he spent nine months trying to secure peace between the Israelis and Palestinians. He said the president-elect's campaign pledge to move the U.S. embassy to the disputed city of Jerusalem would inflame the Arab world. You'd have an explosion, an absolute explosion in the region. Neighboring there will be no separate peace between Israel and the Arab world. I want to make that very clear to all of you. I've heard several prominent politicians in Israel sometimes saying, well, the Arab world's in a different place now. We just have to reach out to them and we can work some things with the Arab world and we'll deal with the Palestinians. No, 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 and no. I can tell you that reaffirmed even in the last week as I have talked to leaders of the Arab community. There will be no advance and separate peace with the Arab world without the Palestinian process and Palestinian peace. Everybody needs to understand that. That is a hard reality. <laughs> so, so glad we've got this genius, smart guy, smart, 15, maybe 1500 SAT, this genius in charge of our environmental policy. He said, if we move the embassy to back to Jerusalem, the place would blow up the Middle East. Be no more Middle East left. Uh, we did that. Donald Trump did it. Last time I checked, it was still there. It was still there. Haven't heard those stories yet. Johnny, wrong on that one, buddy. May want to retake those SATs. Then, of course, the 
evergreen gem, John Kerry claiming that any peace agreements with any Middle Eastern country or any country in the Arab world would never happen without Palestinian or the Palestinian issue being solved. It can't be solved, by the way. Well, Donald Trump proved that wrong, too, with multiple deals with Arab countries uh, and the Palestinian issue is still out there. But don't worry. John Kerry's in charge because he's a smart man of our environmental issues. I saw this interesting story at the Western Journal, by the way. Fascinating story here, too. Climate fraud. Financial documents so John Kerry invested in oil companies before joining the Biden administration. Isa Cox, April 30th, 2021. Again, very strange how these super smart Mount Olympus-style titans like John Kerry, Mittens, Romney, and Liz Cheney, how they're so much smarter than us, the smellies, the deplorables, and yet we keep getting it right and they keep getting it wrong. Strange. Maybe it's like we've actually played baseball once in a while. We know how to play baseball. Um, You may have done well on the reading comprehension portion of the SATs. You've never managed the baseball game, but you come on the field with your Chris Christie fitting uniform or whatever, where you got the male camel toe thing going or whatever it may be. And you come out and you try to manage us all, despite the fact we've all actually been working for a living and playing baseball for 20 years while you read about in a book what baseball's like. And we're all supposed to listen to you. Ah, no thanks. I'll take a pass on that one. Pass a Ruski, thanks. You can chuck that ball down the field. Take your camel toe uniform, the Chris Christie version. Remember that one? If you've seen that picture, it's very disturbing. You can't unsee it. He's another clown, by the way, Christie. You can take that and go walk into the bullpen. All right, let me get to my third sponsor. I got another story on the other side of Breaking Bad. Two more about how us, you know, the deplorables, we always have to listen to the smart people who just constantly screw stuff up. Today's show also brought to you by Patriot Mobile. Hey, these corporations meddling in our democracy and canceling free speech, we have to support companies that support our values and believe in our constitution. It's critical. If you haven't already, go to patriotmobile.com slash Dan right now. You're lighting this company on fire, folks. Everybody's converting right now. You know why? They don't want to give money to Big Mobile anymore. Switch today, bring your own phone, get 50% off your first two months, plus a free Patriot starter kit. Who's better than you? While you're there, enter to win a free phone and cellular service for life. All the details are on my special page, patriotmobile.com slash Dan. Patriot Mobile is the broadest nationwide coverage, uses the same towers as the major carriers. You get the same great service, plus they have plans to fit any budget, including multi-line discounts. Switching's real easy. You just go to patriotmobile.com slash Dan or call the U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. Veterans and first responders save even more. Make the switch today. Get the discount, the free starter kit, and a chance to win cellular service for life with the offer code Dan. It's patriotmobile.com slash Dan, patriotmobile.com slash Dan. Don't wait or call 972-PATRIOT today. Make the switch. Thanks, Patriot Mobile. All right, one more article about the smart people and how we're all, you know, it's deplorable, so we really should listen to them. They're apparently actually considering this again. Yahoo News story. The U.S. denies the Iranian claims of a prisoner deal. UK plays it down. Yahoo News. What's this about? Now, to give both sides, because I wouldn't want to be a journalist where I'd have to lie to you because that's what journalists do. We actually do actual reporting on the show. The State Department under Biden and Ned Price, their spokesman, are denying this story. But there's a rumor going out there that broke in the media yesterday that the Biden administration is considering giving boatloads of cash or money again back to the Iranians for a prisoner swap. 
again, not confirmed. Stories appeared. The Biden administration denies it. We actually do reporting here. But it's not really being considered again. We're giving what ransom to the death to America crowd. Is that really being talked about? How did that work out the first time? Don't worry. They're smarter than us. John Kerry, environmentalist with his money in oil stocks, is definitely smarter than us. The deplorables. We're a bunch of idiots. What do we know? We only play baseball. John Kerry read about baseball in a book. He knows how to field a ground ball. He read about it. Keep the glove close to the ground. Bend at the knees and the hip. Make sure you keep your hips low. You know, funnel it right. I used to love baseball. Funnel it right. Think of it as a funnel. Grounders. Funnel. Funnel. Bring it up to your throwing arm. Up to the throwing arm. He read that in a book. He's clearly going to be the Ozzie Smith of shortstops because he read in a book how to play shortstop. Here's another article I saw over the weekends. Couldn't make it into yesterday's show because of the pressing nature of the Rudy Giuliani scandal. Rudy Giuliani scandal. Yeah, the scandal involving the targeting of Giuliani. Didn't the smart ones, the intellectuals, didn't they tell us he's locked down? Lockdowns! Fauci and others, Deborah Burks, we gotta lock the economy down with this coronavirus. And what did I tell you from the start? Again, ladies and gentlemen, I understand. If you're a liberal, I get it. I can try. I, I can read you better than you can read yourselves. You all believe in John Kerry. You all love Mitt Romney. But you, they're all smart. I get it. You worship him like golden. You chant in their very presence. I get it. I know you look at me like, ah, this guy's a grunt, square jaw. Look at this guy. What a dope. We don't have to listen to him. Okay. I, you don't, obviously. Um, I like it that you do when you spread my stuff on the internet. It saves me marketing costs, but whatevs. But back about a year ago, when the coronavirus pandemic was really getting a little ugly, I said to you that maybe before we do this whole lockdown thing, that we shouldn't look at it as a black and white question, lockdown's good or bad, because that's not how the real world works. Right, ladies and gentlemen? In the real world, we have entire courses in ethics built around questions on the margin. That's just a fancy way of saying sometimes there's no right answer. There's only a less wrong one. Very few questions in real in the real world, very few, are easy black or white answers. So I suggested with the lockdowns that we should probably entertain the question that is a lockdown going to be more dangerous and deadly than not locking down and seeing what happens first with the coronavirus. Of course, it was ignored. Me and many, I was not the only one. Many of you said the same thing. Shouldn't we measure the the cost of a lockdown rather than just say, no, no, lockdowns are good. They'll stop the coronavirus. Yeah, but what's the cost of the lockdown? We don't need to, we're the smart one. Shut your mouth. So finally, someone did that. The great Michael Lee at Washington Examiner, who writes for us too, by the way. The great Michael Lee. Studies suggest the lockdown costs may have outweighed benefits. Wouldn't it have been awesome if we did this before we locked the economy down? (laughs) Of course not. Dan Bongino said it. Dan Bongino, if you're a liberal, you're like, Dan Bongino's an idiot. We should never listen to that guy. We should listen to John Kerry. He's really smart. And Fauci, he's a genius 
what epidemiologist, whatever, a medical doctor, he knows everything. He should coach the Yankees too. And I said, you know, again, I'm just a, you know, silly MBA student. And I learned in the real world that there were trade-offs to everything. And I learned that maybe the lockdowns will have consequences. And, you know, dopey old me said, well, maybe we should measure the consequences of a lockdown versus the measure of a consequences of not locking down and see which is worse. No, no, nobody did that. They didn't think that was too great, but they did it now after we've destroyed millions of jobs and lives and caused untold misery. And what's the result? Well, we find out now that, yes, apparently the lockdowns were more deadly than actually not doing anything about it economically wise and handling the coronavirus without locking down. I encourage you to read this piece. Here's a screenshot from it. While lockdowns, this is from a study at Rice University, while lockdowns may have been effective at reducing daily deaths per million, they're also associated with considerable harms, the study concludes. These harms do not necessarily outweigh the benefits of lockdowns, particularly in regions faced with rising daily death rates. Maybe this is the kind of thing we should have studied before. And by the way, in their story, in case you're thinking, well, Dan, it does say it was associated lockdowns with lower daily death rates. No, no. If you read the whole story, I can't play the whole thing for you. I'll cover the whole in the interest of time. If you read the whole story, they make the fascinating point that the lockdowns may not have even had anything to do with the reduced daily death rates at all. So you caused caused untold harm, destroyed lives, and now finally people are starting to realize that We may have destroyed lives for nothing because the lockdowns didn't do anything to stop the virus from raging out of control. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the greatest, the reason I love economics, I know it's the dismal science. I know it drives people crazy. I was very proud to hear my daughter tell me this weekend who's going to be going to college soon that she's she's interested in business and economics. It's a proud moment for me because I love economics and 99% of the world thinks it's the most boring subject ever. I don't. And I love economics because in a world of scarce resources, right? Everything's scarce. Cars, metals, everything. Clean water. Nothing's unlimited, right? It's either unlimited or it's scarce. Everything's scarce. Gold, food. Nothing's unlimited. Everything's scarce. Economics answers us questions. Like in a world of scarce resources, what do we value more? It doesn't care what your skin color is. It doesn't care what your politics are. If you go in a store and buy something over another product, whether you're a conservative or a liberal, the fact that that product was in demand and purchased by you says a lot about who you are, not about who you think you are, who you really are. And if we just would have used economics and said, let's get away from the passion of the lockdown argument, because everybody was scared. Fair enough last year. Everybody was scared. Nobody knew how deadly it was. Nobody knew the or not, how infectious it was. But maybe if we would have dispassionately, Fauci and others, stopped trying to be the smartest person in the room and said, let's take a step back for a minute and do a limited study on lockdowns versus not lockdowns and see what happens before we shut down the entire United States, maybe we wouldn't be in this problem, millions of people out of work and businesses destroyed. I know, I know I'm crazy, right? To the liberals, well, I'm cra- that's a crazy thought, right? World is full of scarce resources, ladies and gentlemen. Everything's a trade-off. Anyone selling you this Pollyanna world where there are black and white answers is full of s- stuff. Full of it. The world has two answers, bad and worse. Pick the bad one. Sorry, 
All right. One more uh, segment after this. It's it's an important one. I want to show you again how this Giuliani thing, covering just a bit of yesterday's show, how this is the media doing this. They have the answers in front of them and they don't want them. They just want to do the Soviet. <laughs> they just want to do the Soviet national anthem thing, where they act as a propaganda outlet for the deep state. All right, our final sponsor today. I'm going to need these. Got a little travel later. My Raycon earbuds. I take them with me everywhere. This is how I do the 75 hours of conference calls I do a day two, and how I catch my favorite podcasts. Listen for work or for play. A lot of us are going to be on the move again this summer. Here's my advice: take your Raycon earbuds with you. Whether you're listening to your favorite book or favorite podcast, a pair of uh, Raycon wireless earbuds in your ear can make all the difference. You get crisp, powerful beats at half the price of other premium audio brands. And listen, they just look cool. Check them out. This is mine right here. They actually need a bit of a charging. You can see because I've been using the heck out of them lately. They come in a range of cool colors and with customizable gel tips included for a comfortable in-ear fit. Raycons are built to go wherever you go with quick and seamless Bluetooth pairing and a compact charging case right here. I love mine. The battery life on them is absolutely tremendous. The sound's tremendous, and they're just cool looking. You don't get those dopey stems hanging out of your ears. Listen up. Raycon's offering 15% off all their products for my listeners. Here's what you do to get it. Go to buy, B-U-Y, buyraycon.com slash Bongino. There you'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. It's such a good deal. You'll want to grab a pair and a spare and then a couple other spares for your friends. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash Bongino. I'm going to go today and get some more. Buyraycon.com slash Bongino. Seriously, because I've had these a while. I've been wearing them out. Buyraycon.com slash Bongino. Go today. You're going to love them. All right. Last story of the day. I have this titled. It's a pretty simple title. How the media advances the deep state agenda. And sings the Soviet National Anthem. <laughs> I do the worst Soviet National Anthem ever. Probably because I'm not a Soviet. But, you know, once in a while. My singing, I know, pierces eardrums. So remember, you know, yesterday we talked about the Giuliani story, how he's being targeted for the deep state. I told you they're looking to stop Giuliani from exposing what I addressed in the beginning of the show. That what was going on in Ukraine wasn't just about Hunter Biden. It was about protecting one of Soros's groups and taking out Soros's political opponent. And apparently some people in Ukraine working for the United States knew about it. Giuliani knows about it. That's why Giuliani has to be shut up right quick. So how does the public get suckered into believing someone like Rudy Giuliani is all of a sudden public enemy number one? Again, priorities for the FBI now. Rudy Giuliani, number one on the most wanted. Number two, John Solomon. Number three, Victoria Tunsing. Number 4.7, China. 5.62, Al-Qaeda. But Giuliani's at the top. Why is that? Well, because media people play a role in gas. Oh, get, hold on. Again, we haven't shown this. Hold on. Thank you to the dude who sent this. Gaslight. Yes, this is the movie. This is the actual movie, Gaslight. This is where gaslighting comes from. Where you tell a lie, you tell the lie often, and you isolate people from the truth. So how has the media gotten people to believe Giuliani's public uh, public enemy number one? Tell a lie and tell it often enough, and people will buy it. So look at this, NBC News. Oh, I see. Did you modify that, the Ken Delanian thing? Because it's, it's in there. It's in, it's in the headline, his name. Look. Nice. You didn't even know you did that. It's, I'm sorry. I know I always break down the fourth wall. Here. 
Look at this article. FBI prepared briefing for Giuliani warning that he was the warning. He was the target of Russian spies, says source. Now, they had to issue a correction, of course. Who wrote the article? Oh, Ken Delanian. Yes. He's. (laughs) How is this guy? How does he still have a job? The story's fake. It's fake. And Delanian gets suckered. He doesn't get suckered. He is a willing accomplice. I hate when I say that because I almost, even though I can't stand these people and their nonsense, I almost want to give them the benefit of that. And I don't know. They're not suckers. They're doing this on purpose. Ken Delanian has lied to you repeatedly or has told stories that were lies repeatedly. Did he know they were lies or is he a liar? I don't know. He he was behind the PP hoax. He was behind the, 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 the media reporting on the PP hoax and the dossier. He's at it again, pumping this nonsense to the NBC audience about a fake Giuliani story. And amazingly, he still has a job. But don't worry, he's a smart person. He probably hangs out with John Kerry, Mitt Romney, and Liz Cheney. They're probably having cigars together. As long as Bill Clinton isn't there. If you want to read about... (laughs) Some of you got that. If you want to read about this symbiosis between the media people... Outside groups, did you just get that? Uh, Outside groups and others. There's a great article by Lee Smith. It'll be in my newsletter. It's from a while ago. But you can read the whole thing. Fusion GPS scandal implicates media in possible play to publish scheme. He talks about how he believes some members in the media may be getting paid off. Uh Uh-huh. Money talks. BS walks. Kind of like money talked to John Kerry when he bought those oil stocks. I thought he was an environmental guy. Talks about how people in the media may be getting paid off by outside groups associated with Democrats to write fake news. Not accusing Delaney of anything. I'm just suggesting he's mentioned in that Federalist piece, which is fascinating. I want to read that. So Delaney, and of course, aired the fake news about Giuliani, Giuliani getting a briefing about Russia. It never happened. It's totally fake. Used to set up the intent that you know Giuliani was a Russian tool and knew it. That's the fake story they wanted out there. Ken was like, yeah, give it to me. Here's an oldie but goodie. We'll wrap with this. Here's Ken Delanian back in the day with Chuck Todd shockingly defending the Fusion GPS dossier with the pee-pee stuff in it. Absolutely none of it was true. And again, amazingly, this guy still has a job, still promoting fake news. Check this out. Let me bring in Ken Delaney, an NBC News intelligence and national security reporter. Okay, Ken, let me start with uh, the memo itself. And and I think what the central question and critique of the memo is, should the FBI have included more information about Steele uh, and its potential motives to the FISA judge? Was that an error? And is that, in fact, what happened? Well, the problem, Chuck, is it's pretty clear we can't rely on this memo to tell us what they did and didn't include. Because as you mentioned in your intro, a Democratic source has told me that, in fact, the FISA judges were told that there was a political context here, that, in, in fact, some of this information came from Trump political opponents. The uh, House Nunes memo makes it seem like that was completely omitted. So we just don't know what to believe here. But the other thing to remember is the FBI gets information all the time from criminals, from spurned spouses, from turncoats. This is how investigations are built. So it's it, it wouldn't be anything out of the ordinary that they would get information from someone with an axe to grind. <laughs> Notice what he does there. He says something that's true um, and uncontroversial, 
but leaves out the key component. Say the FBI gets information all the time, which is true from criminals, bad guys, criminals rat out other criminals. But they do something different, typically, the FBI, before they swear to it in court. Hold on a sec. Joe, I'm going to think. Gee, give me a second. I'm going to think about this. I was a federal agent at one point, long time, a long time ago. So they get the information. Yes, they check it first. Yes. And they make sure it's true before they swear it's true. Do you notice what he did there? They get information from bad guys all the time. Yes. And they actually verify it, which didn't happen with the PP hoax. Okay. He's a journalist. This guy's a journalist. He does, that's like me saying, journalists get it. If, say, I put a totally fake news story up at Bongino.com, Joe Armacost is from Mars. I know it. Fake news. And Joe tries to sue me, and I go in front of the judge. And I go, hey, I, I heard it from a, a guy on the street who was spouting about an alien invasion, and he told me he knew producer Joe was from Mars, and I thought it was a cool story, so I wrote it. Factually true. All kinds of strange people tell people strange things all the time. But you actually verify it before you go on here. Ken Delaney is totally unaware of that. Oh, he's, no, 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 don't worry about it. Hillary Clinton uh, was an opponent. Donald Trump gave the FBI information to a surrogate infusion. They didn't verify it. No problem. The FBI gets information from people all the time. Thanks, Ken. Very illustrative. Thank you so much. And this guy still has a job, shockingly, promoting fake news again. All right, folks, wish me luck today. Got a big test. It's not an SAT. I'll tell you tomorrow. But uh, thank you for everything. Thanks for your support. And one quick favor, please sign up for my Rumble account, rumble.com slash Bongino. It's free to watch the video version of the show. We passed that 1.5 million. So thank you very much. Subscribers, it's all free, of course. And if you wouldn't mind, my terrestrial radio show is coming any day now. We are just less than what? Actually, right around three weeks uh, away. May 24th, Monday, May 24th, the show will be live 12 noon to 3 p.m. Eastern time every day on radio stations across the country. If you want to hear, I'll be announcing those stations soon. If you want to hear it on your station, you got to reach out to your radio station. Call them, email them, tweet them, parlor them, Facebook them, and say, hey, we want to hear the Dan Bongino show. I'd really appreciate it. It means a lot to me. Thank you very much. See you tomorrow. You just heard Dan Bongino.